What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Commas Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today, we are talking with Sage Herda, who is a pro runner for OAC on Athletic Club in Boulder, Colorado. She most recently just ran a 157 800 meters in Monaco. She graduated from the University of Colorado, where she won an NCAA title in the indoor mile. And today, we just get to know her a little bit better. So I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. They make eating well easy with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. So whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or you're just looking to eat more balanced meals like me, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. And right now you can go to greenchef.com slash coldbrew135 and use code coldbrew135 to get $135 off across five boxes. And your first box ships free. Go to greenchef.com slash coldbrew135 and use code coldbrew135 to get $135 off across five boxes and your first box ships free. Now let's get straight into today's episode with Sage. Okay, Sage, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. You have, are you like finished with your season or you're still in the middle of it? I'm, I'm not in the middle of it. I'm at the end of it, but I still have three more races left. So oh, 115, 1.8, and then the fifth half mile. Yeah. Ooh, okay. So you got a quite, quite a mix in there, but okay. So you're in the mm-hmm. middle end, tail end of an amazing season. You just ran 157 yeah. in Monaco, which is insane. I'm sure you're very pleased with that, but yeah, I'm excited to, to chat farther um, and just get to know you a little better. I'm sure my audience is too. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Well, um, to get started, do you want to just tell us a little bit who you are and what you're about? Yeah. So right now I'm a middle distance runner with the On Athletics Club out in Boulder. Uh, I grew up in upstate New York, was born in Buffalo, and then grew up in a little town called Hamilton. And uh, then I went out to University of Colorado for school, did cross country and track there, and then just stayed out there with the team, OAC, because it was a great fit and didn't really want to leave Boulder. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. I want (laughs) to dive into like a lot of that. I got a lot of people talking about where you grew up, Hamilton, Mm-hmm. someone asked me how did you stay sane growing up in Hamilton or they asked you that oh my gosh I don't know if I necessarily stayed sane to be honest it's like it's uh it's a little college town with like three or four thousand people in it and oh my gosh yeah I I struggled a bit with it feeling so claustrophobic but I don't know I just I'm, I made it through yeah. And I should have appreciated it more, to be honest. But yeah, I got, I definitely got pretty far away. Like by the time I graduated high school, I was like, I can't even be in New York. That was sort of like my criteria or one of my criteria for school is not in New York. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I can't even imagine growing up in a town that small. How did you get into running then? Because I feel like running can't be that big in that area, even though New York, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, roundabout way my parents always ran like when I was really little they would do some like club like cross country and road races when we lived in the Buffalo area they were part of a club called Checkers um 
And so I always would just like kind of get dragged along to whatever they were doing. So I've always been super aware of track. And then when I was in third grade, we actually moved to New Jersey for a couple of years. And there's like a huge youth track scene, sort of like in the greater Philadelphia area where we were. And I like just got recruited into one of these youth track teams. And that's where I kind of started competitive running. And then when we moved back to New York a couple of years later, I just kept going, joined the high school team as soon as I could. And yeah, like when I first started, my school didn't have a track team. So we had to like go to the neighboring school for track my first two years. And then eventually, like as I was doing well, I think there was a little bit more interest in running like at the school. So we actually had our own team but we didn't have a track at my school. We would just do our workouts on the road. Hey, that's kind of cool though. You were like the influence to making a track program yeah. or at least a small one. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. Like when you say that you were recruited to your youth program, what did that look like? Like, how are you recruited? Because I did the same thing where I was somehow recruited to join like one of the little clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was the first summer we moved into town and like, I don't know, my parents were just trying to entertain me. And so I would do these like community evening track meets like one day a week. And there were a couple of the kids on the team and the coach there that saw me run. And I might've like won whatever race I was running. And they said, oh, you should come out to like our practice twice a week. And that's how I got started. Were you doing like the USATF meets and like AAU or? Yeah. Were you good right off the bat? I, I was solid. Like, um, I, I would make the national one. I was never like winning, you know, the national meets or setting records, but I was pretty solid. Like maybe I'd get eighth place at the national meet or something at yeah. the youth level. Yeah, that's like the same for me. It was super fun. I kind of missed those days. It was like, I don't know. I miss going out on the track and having no idea what you're doing, but then everyone, and like I watch races back now. I don't know if you have any like footage from when you raced back in the day, but it's so <laughs> funny seeing like the little kids race tactics. Oh my god! No one has any. I haven't looked back. I think, I mean, it's kind of my personality, but I think I took it way too seriously. I was way too nervous. But at the same time, I had this like so such a lack of perspective. Like, I was definitely always more did the eight hundred and the fifteen hundred. Then I think you get to a certain age and you can start doing the three k. And my only experience where I did the three k at the national meet, I collapsed with like 200 meters to go because I just didn't know pacing or anything, which is just such like the like 10 year old thing to do. Just run as hard as you can, but you just don't know how long three k is. Yeah. But those meets were like hard. I mean, there was, it was competitive and there was always people that were like dominating. There was this Mm -hmm. one girl named Paige Rice who I don't even know where she ended up running, but she would dominate everything. But it's just like funny to look back and see I don't know where everyone's at now and stuff is just yeah I have this very vivid memory of me rolling up to some cross-country race and there was this girl who I saw her before the race I was like wow she looks so good because you know most people just like kids but she looked like she was fit and it ended up being Tabor Scholl who oh, I went yeah, to college yeah, yeah. with so I mean pretty distinctive like bright red hair and I think she ended up winning that day but it was just funny to then run run with her later on and I have uh, pictures of me with Maddie Borman on the starting line. Oh, that's so cute. Wow. And then you end up all becoming college teammates. Full yeah. circle, you could say. <laughs> really? 
So how was running in New York? Because I'm always intrigued. I mean, I'm from California. So running here, mm-hmm. especially like Southern California is really competitive. But New York always scared me because you have like Fayetteville Manlius and everyone out there and the Saratoga, I think it is. Yeah. They all frightened me whenever I would go to NXN. But how was your I- experience like being there? Yeah, I mean, my perspective was, like, New York cross-country in high school was, like, the pinnacle. Like, that was the bar that was set. Um, And it was also crazy to me because you'd see people running these insane times, like, in the Midwest for cross-country that even, like, the top people in New York would never run just because the courses are usually pretty hilly and quite hard. But I was lucky, or I don't know if lucky, but I was in class D, which, like, it went A through D, and D was the smallest. So I was always like looking from afar at like those top teams where I always in Fayetteville Manlius is just like their school is just like 45 minutes down the road. So I'd always see them at like our section meet. And that was sort of like who I looked up to for the longest time because I'd see them crushing it and they'd be running, you know, like two minutes faster than me or something on like the same course. And so I always just wanted to like get to their level, which I never quite did. I maybe by the end, but like. I didn't have to directly compete against them. I was just like on the outside looking in like front row seat. Yeah. Did you have people to train with? Uh, not so much. I had like, you know, a couple guys, my, my dad was my coach in high school and he would run with me a little bit, but I did a lot on my own too. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> how was it then like looking at teams like Favel Manlius that had like, everyone was so stocked. Were you like jealous at all? Or was it just like, this is how it's going to be? I mean, it was kind of just how it was, but there's like, there's definitely this whole mystique around it of like, you know, it's super hardcore. And like when I, I felt like when I rolled up to a track meet, like you knew who were, who was on the FM team and like, oh, it was so impressive. Like if you were in the race with them and yeah, I don't know. I just, they were kind of like superstars in my mind. Yeah. And you said your dad coached you? Yeah. How was that dynamic? (laughs) it, it honestly, it, it was rough at times, especially like when you're, you know, a 14 year old girl or whatever, like navigating your, like changing relationship with your parents and like running something that you really care about. I also don't think I had like the, I would get so nervous and like in my head about things. And then like my dad was always there. I think separating the, the dad coach relationship was like a little bit more complicated than I was equipped at 14. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there would probably be a lot of talks at the dinner table about running. I don't even know how yeah. you would like check out from that because like as a 14 year old girl, you're not mature. Like you're not going to be like, I need to turn off this conversation. Yeah. Of course, your dad's not going to respect you if you do say that because you're 14. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I ended up working out, but I I don't, I wouldn't go back to having him coach me. Like I, I appreciate his advice now, but I I prefer having him as just a dad as opposed to a coach and dad. Yeah. So when you decided to go to college, was that hard for him to kind of like let go? I don't think so. No, I mean, maybe it was hard for him, but he never like made it clear to me that it was difficult. Yeah. He wasn't like overbearing like on the college training or anything. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like, you know, some people, their parents transitioning into college are like really on top of it. But maybe also just because like Mark and Heather had such like a reputation like of success. They were just like, yeah, they, they got it covered. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine trying to step on to their toes, like <laughs> coming and be like, I actually know training better. 
Why did you decide on uh, Colorado? Yeah, so my my initial list was just based on like, I wanted to go to an engineering school, which is kind of surprising the number of schools that don't have engineering. Um, and then also like a pretty good running school. And then when I was looking at schools, I thought like, oh, I really just wanted to be on like a really strong cross country team, which, cause I didn't have that in high school. Cause it was like, maybe by my end, we'd occasionally get five people to show up to one race at one time. You know, like that, that was sort of like the, the pinnacle. Like, I think we won our conference meet one year, but then like, we didn't even have a full team the next weekend. So I really wanted to be with a group of people who I could train with and that we could like win meets together. How was that transition then from like, I don't know, being an individual on your team to like being on a team that's everyone's so good pretty much. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I kind of did well my first year, like off the bat, but I was so nervous about stepping on toes, you know, because I had big goals of like in part of being on that team, I wanted to be like on the top five, like right out the gate, but I didn't want to like offend anyone. So my, my mom would always see pictures on like social media, like Facebook or something. She'd never see me because I would always like be in the back of whatever group I was in. Like I would start, like if we were all lined up on the line, I'd be in the second row, like, uh, yeah, I, but I just, I started thriving, just having people around. Um, but it was definitely like a whole nother level of training that so were, was a hard adjustment. Were you top five, like immediately when you showed up? I wasn't top five right out the gate. It probably, it took me like a couple months to really solidify it, but I was traveling and competing the whole season. Yeah. So was there drama? Like, did you step on anyone's toes? <laughs> I don't know. I. I'm like so oblivious to things going on. Like maybe if there was, like I ignored it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what yeah, can you do? Like happened. if you have people it's, showing up, there's going to be freshmen sometimes that come in that are better, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, if there was like any hard feelings, it's just like any cross country team anywhere, you know? Yeah. How was the Colorado dynamic? I'm always in, intrigued. It was harder when I first got there because there's this really nice feeling on a cross country team when you've all like trained and known each other for a couple of years where you really feel invested in together in like one unit. And like, maybe you're not all best friends, but like, there's just this foundation together and you're like, I'll go to battle for you. And I didn't really get that my first year. Cause I'm like, okay, I've known you guys for two months. Like you're all living together off campus. I'm in the dorms, you know, like there was that disconnect, but it got better. I would say like very competitive, like lots of, uh, lots of big personalities. And, uh, Mark would always say like in the, in like a den of lionesses, one is always going to roar or something like that. Like one person's always going to have a good day. (laughs) So you just have to kind of learn to, to deal with, I think I was in a good position because I was never like the star on the team. So I was very comfortable with like, you know, someone else is having a way better day. That's fine. Not that I wouldn't get super competitive too, but yeah, I I thought it was a good balance of competitiveness and just normal team. Yeah. Was it, was the school hard? Did you study engineering? Yeah, I did engineering. Yeah. This, I mean, I did well in school, but it was definitely consuming. I spent a lot of time on it. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it 
took up a lot of energy. I'm, I'm very grateful to be done with it now. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even imagine going back for one more class of school. I'm very happy to be done with college. Yeah. My, like in my fourth year. So like my true senior year, I just totally burnt myself out the first semester. And then the second semester, I was like really mucking it through the first couple months and then COVID happened and then everything went online. And I'm like, I'm not getting any motivation back. Like this ship has sailed. I'm just here to graduate now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. How was COVID? I don't know, individually and team-wise. Team-wise, it was really hard, especially because I think I was like, I wasn't super like nervous about COVID, but enough that like I was, I was really limiting like who I was seeing and everything. Cause I kind of like to think of like your fifth year is sort of like a victory lap, you know, like I feel like I was in a place where I could have been like a better teammate, like more present than I was earlier in college. Cause earlier I was just so consumed with school and like what I needed to do for that. And then my workload kind of tapered off, but then I just like, wasn't really around everyone as much. Plus, um, everyone was doing cross country at CU except for me because I didn't have any cross country eligibility. So I was doing indoor track. So I didn't line up with anyone until like April or May. Yeah. Yeah. Team wise, it definitely was like a little bit of a bummer. So it's glad to see that like things are more normal and, you know, teams are doing camp before cross country this year and all that good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like camp was non-existent, which is crazy. It's like a foundation for a cross-country team. Yeah. It's like the best part of cross-country season. <laughs> yeah. And so I, yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. Did, were you like happy with your college career overall and like how it ended and everything? I mean, it seems like with COVID obviously threw a wrench and everything, but it seems mm-hmm. like you had a very good college career. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely like years that I wish things had gone differently. And like, I wish that my trajectory was a little bit different but I've ended up in a good place. So I can't really like, uh, I feel like I've always ended up where I needed to be by the time I needed to be there, even if it was like longer or harder than I wanted it to be, you know? Yeah. What do you mean by like, you wish your trajectory uh, was different sometimes? Yeah. So my first couple of years, I focused on the steeple for the most part. Okay. And it wasn't entirely voluntary. Mm -hmm. Like I was also, you know, pretty strong at the eight and the 15, unsurprisingly. And like my first year, I was kind of content to just do the steeple and I made it to NCAs, but then I didn't make it through the semi. Um, And then my sophomore year, I, I remember I went to the coach's office before regionals to talk about what I wanted to do. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do the 15. Like I was I was like ready, prepared to go into this meeting to be like, I'm doing the 1500. I don't care. And somehow they convinced me that I should do the steeple. (laughs) And I, I didn't end up qualifying out of regionals for NCAs, which like, I definitely should have like just time-wise, like I should have just, it should have just been like a box to tick, but I just like the steeple is so unique and you have to be able to roll with the punches and I am like a little bit more of like volatile emotionally. And so like when things start going wrong, like I get pretty upset, which in an event like the 800, I feel like some of that like rage and energy is like a good thing. But if you're like, 
in the middle of a race where you have to be navigating people over hurdles and over the water jump and like you feel just like your body is just slowly getting like just dead feeling but you still have to maintain this pace yeah it, it just wasn't for me so why did <laughs> they target you for really the steeple then um well I'd done pretty well up until this point then I had this like huge mental shift where like I just couldn't do it anymore yeah I mean that I feel like that happens a lot of time especially if your heart's not in it like if you want to do another event more yeah. then- Courtney Wayman was actually, I talked to her earlier this week and we were kind of talking about Mm -hmm. it. We're like, you have to want to do the steeple. If you don't want to do the steeple, then you're going to have problems already. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that was my problem because, you know, I wouldn't, I would always say like being a good steeple chaser doesn't like get me out the door in the morning when I have to go get my run in, like just being fast. Like I just want to run fast. I don't want to have to deal with any of that other stuff. So like when you came into college where they're like, you're going to be a steeple chaser. It eventually ended up that way. Like it wasn't expressed to me like before I came in, but by the time track season rolled around because I had done pretty well in cross country and I'm just like, you know, I can jump and I'm fairly coordinated, just, you know, ba- kind of baseline, like what would you look for in a steeplechaser? And there was a group of us, me, Tabor and Maddie Borman, who were like this freshman trio that they wanted us to like tear it up. They thought it'd be really cool if we all steepled together, which... Maddie ended up setting the U.S. junior record, which I did okay. And then Tabor, poor thing, broke her foot. So we had the whole range. It didn't quite work out how they had envisioned. (laughs) They had this picture. Hey, but uh, you still ended up pretty well. And Tabor's like killing it on the mountains now. Yeah. Maddie, she's still in college, I think. She's done now. I don't 100% know what she's up to, but she just graduated. Yeah. So everyone seemed to end up fine. I'm yeah. sure the coaches were pleased with your decision and running the uh, like 15 and eight and stuff. Yeah. But by, by a couple of bad steeplechases, they were like, okay, your heart isn't in it. We, we get it. Like we're moving on. It wasn't like this huge drawn out process, but your opportunities are so limited in college. Like you have a bad couple of races and it kind of feels like, oh, there's the whole season, which is so hard, but that's just kind of how it feels like in college. Yeah, it's crazy how fast like time goes by. Like there's a, literally yeah. only a few weeks of each season, so it makes sense. It's like a couple <laughs> bad races is like bad trajectory. Like I don't yeah. know. And yeah. Mentally, for someone that like I don't know doesn't do well like bouncing back really quick, that can be really hard because mm-hmm. you don't bounce back after like two races and you're pretty much done. Yeah, which mm-hmm. kind of sucks. But <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, overall, it seems like you still have a, you have a couple NCAA titles. Yeah, can't complain. It all came around. You know, COVID definitely was like a little bit of an unexpected thing where I felt like I didn't get the same opportunities as everyone else to like, you know, compete for titles. But other than that, like, whatever, it's in the past. I still yeah. did well. Yeah, exactly. You did well considering. Um, and then did you ever like think that, you weren't going to be professionally running or was it kind of just like, this is what I want to do. So part of my decision to go to CU was like this whole, like, do I go to just like a really academic heavy school where like running wouldn't be as important or do I go to somewhere that I might focus on running a little bit more? And I thought, well, there's only a certain number of years in your life that you can like really be in a, try to see if you can be an elite runner. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to CU. And so it was sort of in the back of my mind, but it was more of like a what if question not like uh oh I think I could do this this is what I want to do um but then like being around like you see 
Carol would be around and like Jenny. So I would sort of be in Sarah Sutherland, Shalaya Kip, all these people around the team. So I kind of got a sense of what it was like. And then my junior year, I was actually redshirting, but that's the year that I ran two flat and 409. And I suddenly had this like, okay, I can actually do it. Like I I'm good enough. Like it's worth, you know, putting off like a real career or whatever to, to pursue this. Yeah. So then what did that look like? I guess, like when were people talking to you about deals and stuff? Yeah, I feel like maybe I started hearing whispering, but not like anything serious, like about a deal, just more of like, oh, well, this would be a cool opportunity. Not maybe not coming from anyone like directly involved in it, but just like me talking to other people. And then I felt like it wasn't necessarily a clear path because off of that track season, I was running cross country and I got really injured, partly my fault, just running through injury, which I've talked about quite a bit, just like having a stress fracture that you ignore isn't a good thing to do because it really messed me up for like a full year, basically. And then by the time I was healthy and running again, still in COVID and it's like, I haven't run a track race in like almost two years and it's my last season, you know, it kind of felt like like I remember when I, at one point when I was injured, Joe was going out for a run. I was just biking along with him and I'm like, just how do I make it work? Like, I don't, do I keep running? Like if I don't have a, a deal lined up, which I decided that I would, um, cause you know, I just still love it regardless of whether I'm getting paid. But then by the time I, I won that like indoor NCAA title, then it, it was a lot more real that like, okay, I could get something for it. Yeah. Did you like go visit teams or was it just kind of clear from the beginning that you were going to go to OAC? It wasn't totally clear. I I always left it open of like, oh, I'd explore all my options. I visited OAC um, like on a little official visit, but it was just super easy (laughs) because they're just like, okay, Sage, you can come hang out with us for the weekend. Um, And then I talked to Joe Bosshart about their team for a bit, which I really like their team especially when like I was nervous about what was going to happen. Cause I was like, okay, I know I'm a good runner, but I don't know what's going to happen. Like, will I be healthy or anything like that? Whereas like, okay, I could make that situation work because you can be with them independent of a contract. Um, so those are the only two people that I talked to. Cause I also just like, I came to this realization of like, what would someone have to offer me to get me to like leave this environment that I'm comfortable and happy in? It, it'd be something that like beyond what anyone was going to pay me so yeah. you know it'd have to be like just totally insane which wasn't gonna happen so it's like okay this is perfect this is like the best situation for me yeah I mean that's definitely a good feeling to have that like come to terms moment where you're like no one's gonna be able to offer me anything else and that you're already like comfortable in where you're at I'm curious yeah. someone asked like one of the listeners they asked um not that many 800 runners like choose to live at altitude Mm -hmm. but what are your like feelings on that because you chose to stay obviously yeah you know I I think it's just really because I'm very like aerobic for an 800 runner like I'm very strength-based like I always did really well in cross country and I'm a lot less speed-based like my speed has kind of come around in the last couple years but it's just not really like what's what's uh making me a good 800 runner so 
I mean, sometimes I think about it, like I can't quite crush sessions like you could at sea level. Like it was a hard transition this year when we decided, okay, we're gonna focus on the 800 and Dathan would start assigning workouts like four by 400 at uh, like race pace for the 800. And even with like five minutes jog rest, I would just be really struggling to be recovered by the last one. And, um, I also had another workout where in Boulder, I was like on the ground afterwards, like crying basically, cause it was just so hard. And like, who knows if I could ever be good. And then I do it, it's, I do it in, when we're in Eugene and it's still really hard, but like, I didn't totally drop off on pace. Like it wasn't that dramatic. And I think it's just because I was recovering so much better. So I think it's just something you have to keep in mind that like, when you're at 5,000, 6,000 feet or whatever it is, it's not going to be as perfect, but it still doesn't mean that you're not getting the same work in. Yeah, exactly. If anything, I mean, that's why people go to altitude camp is to go get that feeling of being dead on the floor and questioning why <laughs> yeah. they do it. Yeah. Pardon the little intermission here to talk about one of my favorite sponsors, Gooder. It's summertime, you know? The sun is shining bright here in San Diego. The UV is literally 10 at least every day. Thank goodness I have my Gooder $25 active sunglasses to help protect my little precious eyeballs from those rays. Gooder makes $25 active sunglasses for anyone. They're lightweight, comfortable, don't move when you run, all for only 25 bucks. They're no slip, no bounce, all polarized and all fun. If you're a runner or just an active person in general, I'm sure you're already familiar with Gooders because they are absolutely popping off right now. Every time I go out in public or I go to like a run group or a cycling group, people are wearing Gooders. I have been rocking the Rap G's, their cycling model, they're 45 bucks, polarized. They are amazing. I wear them for running too and they are seriously super trendy and I did a little TikTok video about them because they're just that iconic. The glasses have names like $9 pour over and influencers pay double. And I know that you will find a pair that speaks to you. You guys totally need to check them out. I cannot recommend them enough. And give one to your friends. I promise that they will love it too. Go to gooder.com, that's G-O-O-D-R.com and get 15% off your entire order when you use code coldbrew at checkout. All orders over 50 bucks get free shipping in the US. That's 15% off with code coldbrew at www.goodr.com. Look good, run gooder. Now let's get back into today's episode with Sage. How is uh, like being a pro runner compared to college? Because obviously you're like in the same place. Yeah, I mean, I'm like totally disconnected. I was surprised like so soon I got disconnected from the team, but you just get on such a different schedule. Like when I finished the track season, instead of going on break, like I just continued my season, they go on break and like, then it's cross country training and I had the hardest time because like there aren't really days of the week for me. So like remembering like, oh, well, I, if I want to get together with this person, like I have to like be mindful that I ask them for the weekend, you know, yeah, yeah. things like that. there's just a lot more downtime. I thought I would go crazy a little bit with the downtime, which like some days I do feel like that, but I've also enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would because I was just like such a busy, busy person in college, like always had something going on. And I really had to learn how to like appreciate the slow moments, but I think COVID was a good transition for that because that was my shock period of like, nothing's going on. 
So by the time I actually was a pro runner, I had kind of like learned how to fill time in like a more leisurely way. Yeah. That's funny. COVID, COVID definitely was like a good entry, entry point of that <laughs> yeah. for that purpose. So what do you do now to fill your time? Gosh, that's like a really good question. I lead, <laughs> I'm pretty boring life, you know, got, got to get your runs in, got to get your treat, your treatment, get your lift in. Um, I have my two dogs. So like plenty of like park time, plenty of time cuddling with them. Uh, usually there's a good chunk of my day just devoted to like downtime which I'm not like a huge napper. So it'll just be like reading or like watching a show. You know, I usually cook every day too. It's not really that crazy or (laughs) exciting. It just sounds like every other like pro runner. Like that's, that's why people want to live life as a pro runner because just running and recovery basically. Exactly. So now you're in Europe. How's like Europe over there? How's the running different and stuff? Yeah, my my path to being in St. Moritz right now is pretty crazy. So I went over, I was in Lubin for a few days with Alicia before we went to Poland to race. And I, as soon as I finished the race in Poland, I looked at my phone, I had a message like, oh, do you want to go to Monaco? So I said, okay, let me see if I can change my flights around. So I canceled my return flight to Denver and then went to Monaco instead. And then I was planning on coming back to uh, Colorado after Monaco. And instead, like the day after the race, I was talking to Joe and we were just like, oh, it makes more sense to go up to St. Moritz because at that point we'd only be in Colorado for like seven days or eight days. So we're like, okay, let's cancel that flight (laughs) and rebook and come up here. So it's, I mean, it's just, it's the same. It's, it's more like, I mean, you could kind of be anywhere in the world for a training camp. Obviously St. Moritz is like a beautiful place for it with like a great track, good running but it's very simple living. It's like even uh, fewer distractions and less to do, I would say. Just like if you were to sort of do like a camp anywhere. Yeah, I've heard such good things about St. Moritz. Literally Courtney Mm -hmm. and Wayman and I were talking about it when I was talking to her this week. I was like, that's like one place I want to go. I mean, I don't run anymore, but all the pictures and stuff and everyone just says it's like the most beautiful place in the world. And I'm like, I'm so jealous. And all my friends are like there right now. So I'm yeah. envious of you. Yeah, it's it's nice to be up back in the mountains, like close to the mountains. I, it feels more homey. Yeah, exactly. Um, how was your, the like trials experience for Worlds? Yeah, so I mean, it was a big step forward and then it was way better than my Olympic trials experience because <laughs> I made it through the semifinal into the final, which was super good. And I had run a big PR to do that. Um, it was a little bit of a disappointment to come in seventh because like I definitely feel like I stack up a bit better than that like in the U.S. scene but it was also just like I didn't have the legs on the day I wasn't that beat up about it because I was like you know sometimes you just don't have it like and that's just the the day that I have I'm not gonna like rack my brain like looking back maybe I had some like residual like I felt like it was this big thing to get into the final. So I was going to run really hard to do it because I wasn't able to do it before when I really didn't have to run anywhere close to as hard as I did. So like I could have done things differently to be better prepared, but I don't know. I did what I did and it would have been a long shot to make the team at that point anyways. Yeah. I mean, now running 157 though, it's like, you're definitely mixing yourself in with the, I don't know. Yeah. It's so competitive though. It's crazy. 
how competitive yeah, they have I mean, I could have run, you could have run 157 and not made the team, you know? <laughs> yeah. How do you have like a mindset then of being like, I can make this team? I honestly feel way better prepared now, like after the fact than I did then. But I think it's just so hard because especially like the whole like narrative around that race is like, okay, the big three, the big three, the big three. And obviously like as a fan of the sport, I think that they're all awesome, but you also have to be like, kind of, you have to kind of forget about all that. And like, maybe I didn't do as good of a job doing that as I should have, like, as opposed to just sort of like that competitor, like I want to beat them. Like, you know, thinking of them more as an equal, as opposed to like such an underdog situation yeah I mean it's hard when the media blows it up too when they're when they're the ones talking about it so and it's like all over the place you can't get away from it yeah and I'm not I'm not like a get off social media before the race person because I like to just I don't know mindlessly scroll before so it's like I'm still absorbing that stuff yeah well I mean you're I feel like then it's for the best I feel like everything does happen for a reason and you obviously seem to have like running 157 probably gave you a lot more confidence too and your season is not even over yet yeah yeah I definitely I I was talking the other day I'm at the point where like running 157 time-wise like I feel pretty satisfied for the year like obviously I want to do great in Zurich at the time late final which is my next 800 um and I like running that 157 gives me the confidence that like okay like I could probably mix it up we'll see what happens but if it's slower, I don't really care. Like I've run the time that I want to run. Yeah. I mean, that's also a good feeling being able to go in with no, I mean, obviously you have your goals, but there's not like a huge pressure on you to do something like something I like, I don't know, the U S trials, obviously like, there's a huge mm-hmm. pressure to do, I don't know, make the top three and everything. Yeah. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. There are certain races that kind of like inexplicably have the most pressure. Like the first one of the year, I always find really terrifying. And then in Poland, like I hadn't run any and raced in like a month. So it was also really terrifying, but yeah. I feel like in the swing enough where it's like, Oh, this will just be fun. Yeah. What are your goals long-term with the sport? <sighs> That's a good question. I mean, <laughs> I obviously love to make a team. That's like probably goal. Number one is like make a team. And then Beyond that, obviously, you want to make the final at Worlds or the Olympics or whatever it is. It'd be amazing to medal. And I think, like, regardless of, I mean, if you're making the team in the eight, like, you have a great shot of meddling. <laughs> um, and then in the 1500, like, it'd be really hard. But it's also been done. Like, Jenny's done it. Like, you know, when Shelby was racing, she ran so insanely fast. It's crazy. I don't know. Those are kind of like the bigger goals of like a medal um, at a major championship, Yeah, which would be like the ultimate goal. Do you think you'll go back and forth between the eight and the 15 or just like continue with the eight? I think I'll be back and forth. Like, I think I might, like, I didn't really do, I've only done two 15s this year. I'll do a third one, but it wasn't a priority at all. I think it might be a little bit more of a priority next year, but I also don't want to go too far away from the eight. So it'll be back and forth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you're doing well in the eight. So I feel like there's no reason to suddenly switch to the 15. Exactly. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Well, I want to get into some listener questions here because we got some good ones. Uh, someone asked, what do you think about during the 800 when you're absolutely dying with 300 meters left? 300 meters is a really hard part. I always feel like that's a good, 
point in the race to just think about your positioning and it's a real balance of like, okay, using, let's say your strength or whatever it is to sort of like accelerate the effort, but you don't really want to start kicking at that point. Cause I feel like if you start kicking before like 150, it's not going to go very well. Um, I don't know. One thing I like about the 800 is that there's not a lot of time to think like, yeah, it's super painful, but like those moments go by so quickly. And I think it's just sort of like the for me, the repetition of it is really nice. Cause like you get to that point and you're like, Hey, I've been here before I'm in this position. Like, okay, we just got to get to 600 now. Like, okay, we just got to get to 150 to go. And then that's like when the race starts. You guys are crazy. I don't know how 800 runners do it. Like it is seriously, I think the hardest event. I mean, I haven't done a lot of other events, but I just can't imagine anything <laughs> harder than that. I think it's harder than the 400, but I don't yeah, know. I feel like I'm maybe not the good 400 hurdles. Maybe the 400 hurdles are the worst. True. Can't you say gotta, I've tried gotta, that one. I don't want to ever try that one in my entire life. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I only did it like a couple times, like way back in high school, but I can just now I'm just sort of imagining like you're at the end of a 400, but you have to jump over something. Like, that sounds you know, terrible. Um, okay. What is your favorite workout for the 800? This year, I've really been liking just like six by 200 with like 200 rest. Uh, I would probably run like maybe like 27, 28 on those. So like kind of sub race pace. I like to do sub race pace stuff. Cause then, uh, when I get to the race, it kind of feels a little bit more relaxed. Somehow just, it ends up feeling a little more relaxed. <laughs> yeah. You kind of feel like, Oh, okay. I'm not like all out sprinting right now. I'm cruising. You could say yeah. at 56 first lap. Yeah. Oh my gosh. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What is your favorite on shoe? Uh, my favorite on shoe is probably the cloud swift because I don't do it for a lot of my runs, but it's kind of like, like it has good cushioning to it where you can do like some good mileage in it, but it's also like minimal and responsive enough that like I can do strides or feel like I need to do some like light speed in it. So I love it for my run and stride days. Nice. Can't say I've ever tried those. I've only tried the cloud monsters, which I do like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is it like dating someone who's also a pro runner on the same team? Yeah. You know, it, it kind of works out pretty well because our, our, uh, schedules are so in sync, but at the same time we spend like an obscene amount of time together. Um, on this, this year, we've been like a little bit out of sync with our travel up until this point, but yeah, I think it's just like learning how to like exist outside of like the running, like we don't really talk about running or the team all that much like we do but you know it's nice to be like kind of have the mutual understanding we know what's going on we don't have to talk about it yeah exactly (laughs) we're just we're just living yeah do you ever have any moments of like competitiveness because you guys are I mean both like very elite runners Mm -hmm. Uh, not like over competitiveness like especially running related um 
more just competitiveness like in the in the day-to-day of like I feel like we both have pretty strong personalities and so just like over mundane things you know yeah that's better than running (laughs) at least makes it a little more exciting it's just so hard like how I think of it is like okay if I don't succeed the next person who I'd probably want to succeed is Joe so like it doesn't really hurt me if he's doing well like it's better than if we were both not doing well (laughs) that's true I have you ever had a time period like that I don't think there's been a real time where we've both not been doing well, but there've been times that like Joe's been injured and I've been healthy and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, that's good at least. And I feel like it's (laughs) nice to have someone that um, knows exactly like the ins and outs of the sport. Mm -hmm. I've never like dated a runner, but I, it's hard to even explain to someone what is going on like with training yeah. with the mental side of it there's different struggles so I bet that's nice to just have someone that knows exactly what's going on yeah I mean it, it works either way but yeah it just seems to be going okay for me now yeah exactly okay Morgan Pearson asked a funny question okay well she changed her name to Herda Klecker 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 Herda or just keep Herda yeah, so I'm keeping her done. I've been like kind of thinking about like, oh, maybe for racing it'd be fun to go by Herta Klecker just because you know some more cohesive branding. Yeah, like yeah, you can do a little, little branding. Love that. Yeah, but like legally, I'm not changing my name. It just seems like such a pain. <laughs> really, I don't. I have no idea what that process looks like. You guys I both have cool last names, though. Exactly. Like. So I really like Herta. I, I don't really want to give that up. And plus, like, just think of like everything, like your driver's license, your passport, your bank accounts, like your social security number, like all that stuff has to be redone. That is fair. That is fair. You make a good point. Um, what does your life look like during the off season, which is coming in hot? Yeah, I know. I'm like, don't tell Dathan, but I'm very excited. He tells us that we can't think about it too much, but I'm really ready for it. Um, <laughs> you know, in part of like me just living a really boring life I just don't do that many fun things so it just looks like <laughs> a, a lot more of like going out like you know you might go to like a winery brewery like get some drinks like do some hikes just be a lot more active outside of running um travel see family um just stuff like that stuff that I wouldn't normally do especially like last year Joe and I went ATVing and like my back was so sore afterwards. Like it would have been terrible if I was actually like training hard because I, I was like out of whack for days afterwards. So I was just so, like death grip because we went on the rockiest trail. And so like my stabilization muscles were just shot afterwards. That so sounds stuff like fun that. though. But I can imagine so a coach being so mad if he showed him back. He's like, sorry, I'm extremely sore and I can't work out because I went ATVing. Yeah, yeah. How long is like the off, the off season going to be? Do you know? Yeah, I do know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so David will probably almost only let us take like five full days off and then we'll start running every other day. But my last race is fifth Ave. And then we have to be back at, for practice like a month later. So okay. October 10th is practice start date. So we get about a month, but we'll be running for most of that just pretty light though yeah do you have any like fun trips planned or is it just going to be more ATV um I'm going up to Montana for a weekend visit McKenna maybe do a little bit of a bachelorette thing while I'm up there 
Um, And then uh, spending a lot of time in Minnesota, we're road tripping with the dogs. So we kind of got to like spend a good chunk of time to make it worth it. Uh, Travel around Minnesota for a little bit. And then I don't, that's kind of like the extent of the plans right now. Other than that, just try to enjoy some time in Boulder. We were going to do a bit more traveling, but since we decided to stay in Europe, like I'm going to be gone from like the end of July to mid-September. So I'm like, okay, I just need a couple of weeks at home mixed in there too. Yeah. Especially like, especially getting ready for a wedding, like in because I'm getting married in mid-October, so I'm like, I have to be home for a little bit just to get ready for that. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's coming in hot too. Jeez, you have like, that's a crazy summer fall. <laughs> so yeah, you got to take take the five days of not running and just relax. Yeah. Sweet. Okay, well, you still have a couple races, so I don't want to be... <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to talk too much about the off season yet. Um, yeah, I'm sure everyone's excited. To... Oh wait, no, I have one more question. What's your advice to your younger self? So maybe more of like, because I would say like, don't be so serious. But like, I probably wouldn't have listened to me. But I think more of like recovering from the poor performances in like just like it's good to have that and like know that feeling of the disappointment and like carry with you in some ways just because it'll like help you next time you're in that same situation and be like okay I don't want to feel like that so I'm gonna like try actually try my hardest but maybe just like don't it's it's not like as much of a reflection on who you are as a person like a bad race or like a like a failed experience it doesn't make you any worse of a runner any worse of a person (laughs) Yeah, it's just hard when you're so consumed by it. It really just eats you alive. But it is true. Like, yeah. And the quicker that you move on from a bad race, the better the next one's going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So hard. But yeah, moving moving forward is the most important thing. Exactly. Okay, cool. Well, good luck for your next three races. I'm excited to see how you do. Mixing yeah, up you. with the 15 in there. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, where can people follow you at if they want to be up to date? Yeah, so probably follow me on Instagram at Herda Sage. That's their best bet. Um, and then Twitter, you could get see me retweet anything related to me. <laughs> and occasionally I'll come out with like a, a a track take that I think is funny, but I'm really like I'm more of just like a an observer on Twitter. <laughs> Amazing. As everyone says at the end of this episode, everyone's like, I don't really have Twitter, but I kind of <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Sage, for joining us. Um, to close out the episode, can we get a good old peace out, fellas? Peace out, fellas. Amazing. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Commas Over Cold Brew. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It's a free way to support, and I just love reading your guys' reviews. Every time there's a new review, I get so excited, and it seriously makes my day. Follow us on Instagram at Convos Over Cold Brew Pod if you want to be up to date on the latest episodes and submit listener questions. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will catch you all next week. Peace out, fellas.